Please be advised, all music tracks used in this production are sole property of Kelson Communications and are original compositions. Thank you. Experience EAC Network's Golf for Good event on Monday, May 17th at the luxurious Fresh Meadow Country Club in Lake Success, New York. This beautiful parkland golf course offers extraordinary fairways that follow the natural role of the forested terrain. Join us for a fun-filled event and exquisite golf experience that will benefit people in need within your communities. To learn more, contact EAC Network at 516-539-0150. That's 516-539-0150. Or visit eac-network.org. Once again, that's eac-network.org. To everyone tuning in, welcome. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast, the program that promotes, celebrates, uplifts, and highlights the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of society every day. Today we're going to be highlighting and covering the EAC Network and EAC stands for Empower, Assist, and Care. And we're going to have our guests also explain to our our listening audience how that name came about. And we'll also be talking about several other specific issues. Uh, We're going to be covering a major fundraiser that they have coming up, which is their Golf for Good tournament. Uh, We're also going to be talking about their involvement in Project Hope and also Long Island Parenting Institute uh, initiatives, and also, in general, how EAC is positioned and ready to help those in need in the community. We'll get a little background history about the organization. So those are the things we'll be covering. So um, as we get started, I'm going to introduce my four guests. First, we have Miss Neela Mukherjee Lako. She's the president and CEO um, newly appointed, I should say, and I believe uh, April 6th, um, she took the helm, but she's not new to the EAC network. Uh, she's been involved previously. Prior to coming in on as CEO, she served as the chief executive officer of the American Red Cross on Long Island, and that was since 2016. And there she oversaw Red Cross activities across Nassau County and Suffolk counties. And she sat on the regional leadership team of Greater New York. She also facilitated the Regional Board Diversity Committee there as well. Neela has over 25 years of experience in the not-for-profit sector. And before coming to the Red Cross, she served as the founding executive director of Girls, Inc. of Long Island. Neela has been recognized numerous times for her achievements by several organizations, including city and state's 50 Most Powerful People on Long Island, the Long Island Press Power List, and the 40 Under 40, and the Top 50 Women in Business by Long Island Business News. Welcome to the show, Ms. Mukherjee Lako. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here and uh, even more thrilled to have an opportunity to talk about the great work that's happening across the EAC network. Absolutely. Uh, also, we have with us uh, here in attendance today, uh, Ms. Rachel Lugo. She's the Division Director of the Family Support and Vocational Services Division. Ms. Rachel Lugo has to work every morning with a renewed sense of motivation and purpose. Ms. Lugo joined EAC in 1995. She is currently the Division Director for Family Support and Vocational Services Program. She has provided over 25 years of leadership dedicated to fostering 
working environments that encourage collaboration and optimizes team performance through her divisions. As Rachel continues her journey in the nonprofit sector, she knows that she will always have the opportunity to make a difference and impact lives throughout Long Island. And next we have Catherine Canino. She's the program director for Project Hope and also the Long Island Parenting Institute. Uh, Ms. Canino has a passion for empowering and supporting Long Island families. She is the program director of EAC Network's Long Island Parenting Institute and the Project Hope programs and has been with the agency for over 15 years. Catherine completed her undergraduate degree in human development and family science and has a master's in counseling education. She is also a certified family life educator, lactation counselor, ADHD parent coach, and the mother of two boys, Catherine Canino. Um, and then next we have Miss Jessica Bayan, and she's the team leader of Project Hope. She has a background in mental health counseling. She has spent her career focusing on crisis intervention, trauma, and dual disorders. She is fiercely passionate about empowering individuals to discover, articulate, and develop their own personal strengths. Jessica completed her undergraduate degree in human development with a concentration in psychology and holds a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you so much. So, ladies, I'm so honored and thrilled to have you all here to talk about the EAC network. And before we get into some of the talking points, the term EAC stands for Empower, Assist, and Care, which goes along with the EAC network's mission. So I'm going to just ask Rachel if she could give a little background as to how the organization got that name and also why were those three words chosen? Thank you so much, Silas, for having me and having our team here Empower Assistant Care EAC Network started over 50 years ago, and we started as the Education and Assistance Corporation, and it was a program set up by three women who were working their way in education, and from there, over the last 50 years, we have undergone um, some rebranding. Uh, we were, you know, Education and Assistance Corporation, EAC Inc., EAC Network, and we have really built ourselves a collaboration of programs and services as well as a very large staff um, serving Long Island and the metropolitan area as well as Rockland County. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and now I'm going to direct the, the next uh, inquiry to our brand new CEO of the organization, Neela. Well, would you please tell our listeners what is the vision that you bring to taking the the EAC network to the next level. I'm, I'm understanding that you've been involved with the organization, so you, you're very familiar, and now sitting in the chair as CEO, how do you see your role in taking the EAC network to higher and greater heights? Thank you, Silas. Um, I have to say it is really wonderful to come back. Um, I haven't looked back for a second. It's only been about two weeks, but it's been marvelous. The EAC network is this incredible organization that provides services to individuals, families, communities uh, across this metro New York area and uh, really across the lifespan. So it, at its heart, it's a true social welfare organization. And so I'm thrilled to be here. And as I look ahead and as I think to myself, what, what do I really want to see happen I think the biggest thing is to make sure that uh, 
that there is a, a sense of cohesion, that there is a sense of uh, unity across the organization, um, and that the general public is going to have a greater awareness of the organization, the incredible work, the meaningful work that's happening here, uh, supporting individuals and families literally from birth uh, until the end stages of life. And so it's a, it's a pretty wonderful uh, organization. It's got partners uh, really across the spectrum of community partners. And uh, I, I really would love to see EAC Network, the EAC Network, have the kind of visibility uh, around the incredible work and accomplishments of the staff who actually... The staff who are here, many of them have been here for a very long time. And so there's a there's an incredible sense of uh, commitment to the mission. And so I'd really love to see that uh, a little more widely understood by the general public as well. Understood. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, next question I'll direct to um, Catherine Canino, uh, pro- again, Program Director of Project Hope and Long Island Parenting Institute. With what uh, Neela said and Rachel before her, uh, in your opinion, what is the main thing that will make the EAC network successful in fulfilling the mission? Because you have so many programs that do so many wonderful things in the community. What's the main ingredient that's going to help the EAC network fulfill your mission to help as many people as possible, in your opinion? You know, I have to say, in my opinion, it's speaks to what Neela had said about the duration of time that our staff have been around, that we have such a dedicated team of employees that believe in this mission. And that's the ingredient that propels everything that we do because it, we're from the boots on the ground to the administrative support staff. There is this cohesion amongst the mission of fulfilling it in the sense that we are here for the communities we serve, for the populations we serve. And there's a true passion that I haven't seen anywhere else. I'm one of those people that's been around a while and don't plan on leaving either as a result of just that pure joy and willingness to, to be able to, to lead this the programs and, and our populations further. And one of the programs that you are affiliated with directly is the Long Island Parenting Institute. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and what are some of its goals and missions? Sure. Yeah. So the Long Island Parenting Institute is just one of the programs that, that EAC offers. I've been with that program since, um, I think it was about 2007, and it was under Neela's leadership then. Um, so we're thrilled to have her back. Our goal is to empower and support parents. Um, we all know that parenting is difficult in the best of circumstances. And here we are in a global pandemic. Um, we also work with a lot of parents that are in the worst of circumstances outside of, of a global pandemic. And so our goal really is to provide parents with a supportive community where they can learn and practice parenting skills that will will empower themselves and their families to the next level. And so we do that through a variety of classes that we offer. We serve parents from with children from birth all the way through to adolescence. We have a class called Bright Beginnings that we offer for parents of infants. We have our Common Sense Parenting class for parents of school-age children. More recently, over the past couple of years, we've been offering a four-hour crash course in positive discipline skills, which allows parents just a taste of all of the the evidence and the research out there on positive discipline. We have parent support groups 
for parents of teenagers because we know that when your kids become teens, you need more than a class, right? You need a support group. <laughs> so we offer that. And we also have a co-parenting apart class. And that's for parents who are co-parenting with a toxic ex in difficult circumstances. And that provides information for really focusing on the children through all of that and being able to put some boundaries and skills in place to protect our kids. And so always our mission is to support and empower our parents and also to, to protect our kids and to enhance some um, generations to come by being able to, to change the way that maybe we were parented and how that's influenced us today and how we can provide for our kids a, a different outcome. Thank you so much for that. So I'm going to go move over to your, you, Jessica. Now you're a team leader of Project Hope. So as a team leader, Please explain to our listeners a little bit about Project Hope as it relates to your role with EAC. And then we'll have uh, some of the other members just talk about, you know, the whole idea of Project Hope being connected. But what is your role with Project Hope within your scope? Uh, Absolutely. So Project Hope is a FEMA-funded program and EAC Network is a provider of Project Hope. So what Project Hope does is it, it provides a emotional support helpline. It's an initiative that kind of supports anyone in New York who feels they need a listening ear, coping tips, anything with resource linkage. We offer things like support groups and crisis hotline opportunities so they can call in at any time. And my role as the team lead is I have crisis counselors underneath that kind of field everything. They are in the community. They are providing these coping tips. They're providing the uh, support groups. And we've even been at vaccination pop-up sites and kind of built this whole thing from the ground up. Thank you so much. Neela, with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, Project Hope was something that was brought about to provide counseling because there were so many people going through a lot of mental distress. How has the agency been able to utilize that resource and tool to be most beneficial in the community? Well, so the first thing um, I, I do have to just acknowledge being new, coming back new to the organization is the incredible work that was done to Uh, maintain continuity of services for people and families to ensure the safety and for staff, just really doing a stellar job, keeping the organization's mission front and center while still responding to the many challenges that COVID presented. We're really thrilled to be able to offer Project Hope across the spectrum. We're seeing the devastating impact that COVID has had on people, uh, those who've experienced losses, as a result, and those whose lives have been changed immeasurably from this. And, uh, and we do see and know from a, from a bigger picture that this experience will have long-lasting impacts on our communities. And as an organization that is working very closely with people who are oftentimes already struggling in various parts of their lives, we can see how COVID has really uh, exacerbated that. And so Project HOPE is an opportunity for us to offer support and services to people when they are needing it the most. 
uh, it's giving us an opportunity to make sure that the, that the people who we are already providing services for can access this additional resource to help them during this even more difficult time. And then to the larger community, to people who haven't perhaps received services from us in the past, to be able to say, this pandemic has affected all of us very deeply. And we know that the needs will be vast uh, across all segments of our society and our community. So we're really happy to be able to offer this bit of assistance to people. And as we continue to provide it to see what other kinds of needs arise and how as an organization we can continue to respond to that. Thank you. Thank Silas, you. this yes. is Rachel. I would just yes. like, also like to piggyback on what Neela said. Sure. And um, let, let our listeners know that when the Long Island Parenting Institute was working with clients and all of a sudden everything went into lockdown, mm-hmm. parents were having um, difficulty, you know, with their children at home trying to do schoolwork and really maneuvering around the dysfunction that was now in the household. And now everybody's dwelling in, in one area. It's causing, you know, there, there's just some interruptions in, in your daily routine and Catherine and the Long Island Parenting Institute, without any additional funding, started helping people with COVID counseling. And we just started doing this. You know, really, Catherine was doing this out of the goodness of her heart, saying these people need help. You know, there, there's a lot of problems in the families. And certainly we saw it across the community. So when this opportunity came from FEMA, you know, with this Project Hope Crisis Counseling COVID uh, program, we were like, wow, this is exactly what we were doing. And now we could expand on it. And I have to tell you that the outcomes and just the services that we have been delivering have been, you're, you're talking thousands and thousands of flyers being disseminated and really trying to reach those individuals that just need an ear to listen to. And I'm really happy about the staff and as well as the agency being able to take this particular program and it, it just grew from, you know, it was it was nothing. And really, we're able to really now serve the community. Thank you for adding that. And I'm going to just uh, throw this next question out to, to each of you. What kind of feedback have you gotten from specifically the parents? Because as you had just mentioned, Rachel, and also I think you alluded to it as well, uh, Catherine, once the lockdown came and everybody was working in one space and then you had the kids at home trying to adapt to a new way of learning. You have the parents who are not as technologically savvy as the children. And then there's a frustration because, you know, feeling like their kids are falling behind. When you started offering these services uh, as an agency and an organization, what, in everybody's own words, was the response from parents? Um, And if you could share any specific stories that really showed that what you were doing was not only... uh, appreciated but also effective um and so i'll start with you neela i know you just only been back for a few weeks but in the little bit of time that you've been there you know have you gotten any feedback about the whole impact of project hope since the uh, pandemic you know it's interesting i came in as as i was hearing more and more about project hope and was just getting at the time obviously i was uh, really focused on eac and when i tell you people have spoken so highly of the program and of the people in people have spoken highly about Project Hope and then people have spoken very highly about the EAC staff who have done tremendous outreach to get this program out to the communities. And so from a community partner perspective, I have heard really amazing and wonderful things. Um, not just about how uh, Catherine and the team at the Parenting Institute were able to 
continue services, but to be able to fully integrate this opportunity, uh, it's an enormous recognition of the work that was already happening. Um, and, and now we're really grateful to be able to offer this. And so I'll actually hand it over to, to Rachel and Catherine and Jessica, who are probably hearing more directly from the parents themselves. Very good. Yes. Thank you, Neela. This is Rachel Lugo, and um, I'm just going to um, touch a bit about the the impact of um, the challenges. And for the most part, you know, when people are home together, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's sometimes domestic violence. It's true. It's real. We have to look at this. We can't hide behind it. And people need help. And when people say to me, you know, Rachel, are you back at work? You know, are you open? I go, we never stopped working. And we're probably doing about 100% more work now because of what's been going on. Not only are we working and serving our community and helping our clients and reaching out to the public, but we also have our own personal lives going on. So we're dealing with it ourselves. And as much as we're giving that information and we're teaching and we're trying to help and we're being an ear, we also have to be able to balance and focus and work on our own personal lives. I have two boys. I know, you know, everyone here has children, and it's a challenge. We have heard from the community. People have thanked us. You know, some people don't like to wear masks. Some people don't like the restrictions. They don't like to be told what to do. But it's all part of learning, and we're trying to teach people, you know, how to cope with the change in the world. And it's real. The struggle is real, but it's not just real about, you know, in the community. It's Personally, it's real. We, you know, we're learning to also, you know, overcome barriers and obstacles and work throughout the challenges. And I think that this particular program, uh, we can say that the uh, Suffolk County Executive's Office, they have, you know, they wanted to work with us. They have allowed us, as Catherine said earlier, into the pods and at the vaccination sites to give out information regarding Project Hope and services available. We want to make sure that everybody knows that the resources are out there. If they've encountered a loss, if they're having struggles, maybe they need assistance with, you know, resumes or work placements. Many people lost jobs. There's a big impact and it just keeps going. It's not just going to stop, but we're slowly and surely going to help with every resource we could possibly have and give out to the public. Thank you. Catherine, can you share a success story related to the direct assistance that your Project Hope staff and members of your team have provided to the community and something came back that said, you know, hey, you know, we really appreciate it and, and, and a story that you might be able to share. Sure. And just to speak to what you were saying, what we're seeing from the community, I think we can sum it up with this word of uncertainty. As no matter what the need is, we're all in this time of uncertainty. And that even leads into the uncertainty of what we need. We have people that call our helpline and that we meet in the community that they know they need something and they're not sure what. And so it's through conversations with our crisis counselors. We have a stellar team of, of crisis counselors. We're able to make connections. And so, you know, here we are in this time of uncertainty and we need connection more than ever and that we're just met time and time again with this isolation and these barriers and so we've really been able to break those down and just talk to people and when people start sharing that's where the the real heart 
of, of connection is, right? And so being able to just hear their needs, normalize for them what they're going through, provide that listening ear, that understanding approach, and then being able to plug them in to the resources that we have. And maybe not that we even have within our own agency, but we know that exists within the community around us and being able to hand them off to those agencies that can provide more long-term services if needed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I could share, I'll, I'll, I'll let Jessica chime in too with, um, with some stories, but, you know, I often think about one of our crisis counselors without the community, she's providing the information to a particular neighborhood, handing out flyers, and she popped into a pizzeria to grab a slice of pizza for lunch and started talking to the owner while she was waiting for her pizza to be heated, telling him what she was up to. And next thing you know, it's a 30-minute conversation, there's tears, there's sharing, there's connection, and there's services being provided because, you know, we all need it at this point. There's no one identifiable population. We've all been impacted. And as Rachel said, you know, we're doing the work and then we need to to come home and and get our own needs met um, and be able to know what's out there for ourselves and for our families. Jess, I'm thinking of the organization, I won't name names, that was um, relying on our services for a support group. Can you speak to that? Absolutely, yes. That's actually what I was thinking of when Silas asked of specific examples was that particular uh, organization. So we had run a support group for an organization that wanted something for their staff. Their staff was on quarantine, everyone was home, and as Catherine mentioned, the uncertainty, the not knowing, the need for connection. Um, So there was, we held the support group for the group, and then one of the members, I have my email listed, my uh, phone number listed, so if anyone wants to contact me for, you know, a need for services, the opportunity is there. I had one of the individuals reach out to me and say, listen, I, I need help. Um, I'm feeling uncertain. I'm feeling anxious. I don't know how to deal with it. And working with this individual, helping to connect them with resources to better manage their stress, to deal with what they're, what, what they're going through, um, has been fantastic. And one of the services that we offer are these dial-in Zoom support groups. We offer, we, we offer them daily. One of them happens to be a parenting group uh, where people can just come and understand that they're not alone. And I think that's the biggest thing is we feel so alone right now being so isolated and that need for connection, the face-to-face contact, seeing other adults, um, understanding that other people are dealing with this. And that's one of the greatest things I've seen is these people in these support groups connecting with others that are dealing with things that are so similar sharing their stories, sharing what works, what doesn't work, and just for a second realizing that they have that human connection. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And, you know, I think it's really important to, you know, let listeners know that, uh, as you said, the COVID-19 pandemic has thrust a lot of uncertainty on all of us, you know, across all the different spectrums. And, you know, to have an organization and agency uh, such as yours providing these services, I'm certain is a very welcome sight to uh, the general public. And so and then that leads me to uh, my next point about the resiliency of the organization through COVID. I'll start with you, Catherine, and then I'll jump over to you, Neela, and then uh, Rachel. How has the EAC network handled all the uncertainty and stayed and remained resilient and functional through the COVID-19 pandemic? I can speak to the Lyle Parenting Institute, as uh, Rachel had touched on earlier, that 
pre-COVID, we met in person for our parenting education classes. And um, when the world shut down, we knew that even though we didn't have access to in-person classes with our parents, they needed us more than ever at that time. And so we quickly shifted to providing what we were calling at the time the parenting pep talk um, because we didn't have a, a tool. We didn't have a skill. We didn't know. We were right there in that boat of uncertainty with them, but we knew they needed connection and support. And so we put our phone number out there. We provided free support, a listening ear. Um, and that grew into us being able to move all of our classes online um, to be able to provide every single class we were doing pre-COVID and then some um, to a virtual platform. And that's been fabulous. Um, it's really eliminated a lot of barriers for parents, um, not only with, with COVID restrictions, but with childcare restrictions, financial restrictions, transportation, work schedules. Parents are able to access us from anywhere. And so we've even had parents tuning in to our parenting workshops and support groups from other states. They tell a friend that lives down in the Carolinas or wherever, and they jump on the Zoom and are able to gain the same support. I know that we're not alone in that. I know that there's uh, so many other programs within the agencies uh, the agency that have been adapting. And uh, I want to say just about all of us have continued to provide services. Um, Rachel, can you speak to the, the other programming? Sure. We'll be right back after this message about a special fundraising event. Experience EAC Network's Golf for Good event on Monday, May 17th at the luxurious Fresh Meadow Country Club in Lake Success, New York. This beautiful parkland golf course offers extraordinary fairways that follow the natural role of the forested terrain. Golf for Good is EAC Network's signature fundraiser. Proceeds from this event will support our most vulnerable neighbors in need through the delivery of over 100 programs and direct support services across Long Island and New York City. The pandemic has increased the demand for these services, so your support is needed now more than ever. Your support will help child victims of abuse and neglect, homebound seniors in Nassau County through Meals on Wheels, a variety of vocational services providing vital links to employment for at-risk and homeless individuals, and so much more. Join us for a fun-filled event and exquisite golf experience that will benefit people in need within your communities. To learn more, contact EAC Network at 516-539-0150. That's 516-539-0150. Or visit eac-network.org. Once again, that's eac-network.org. So the one thing I'm going to say is throughout the pandemic, when everything started happening, EAC has over 100 programs. And I can say we had delivered uninterrupted <laughs> services despite the challenges of COVID. And there were a few programs that, you know, because they were located in the court buildings and we weren't allowed access, but for the majority of our programs and services, you know, we have Meals on Wheels programs. We have to deliver, you know, meals to seniors. Just because, you know, there, there's a pandemic, seniors have to eat and they're relying on us. So there were drivers that had to go out and deliver meals. 
you know, there were visits and, and parents, their interaction with supervised visits between parents and caregivers, and we made visits happen. We, you know, um, were able to give supportive services for people with issues such as mental health issues and substance use issues. You know, we work with people that are incarcerated that are in the facilities in Yapank and Riverhead and Upstate Correctional Facilities. You know, COVID hits. The impact of COVID makes the situation that much more worse because not only were they alone then, they're alone now, and they're coming into a world out of incarceration, a world that they know nothing about. Mm. And the one thing that our agency has been able to do under, you know, we, we had um, our CEO had left um, our agency, I would say probably around December. And a few months later, you know, we were looking for a CEO, the COVID, you know, COVID hits. And we have the VP of operations who was really able to, to be at the helm and not only, you know, oversee the agency as a whole and continue overseeing all the programmatic structure of the agency, we did a phenomenal job. We also have someone who was in charge of policies and procedures, making sure that every single thing, that every single program did was in compliance with the CDC and the Department of Health and all the regulations. You know, be making sure you have a compliance officer that has to check every single, you know, program. That's a, that's a lot of work. And especially because we're in multiple sites. So I have to say that, you know, COVID did come and it's here and it impacted, you know, many lives. And our agency was able to really, you know, stay above stay above the ground and continue providing services throughout. We're not doctors, we're not nurses, we're not firefighters, but I have to say that we are there to assist people, to help people, and we want to make sure that all the services we're giving, you know, they're critically needed services, and a lot of them are at-risk populations. So we continued providing those services, whether they're youth, whether they're seniors, and the agency did a phenomenal job, and, you know, it's with the administrative um, offices, as well as the staff that, that have provided the services. Thank you. I'll jump over to you, Neela. So just to segue from what Rachel was just talking about, I just want to say that despite all of the challenges of the COVID pandemic, the organization not only was able to carry out its mission, continue to carry out its mission and ensure that the people who need the services could get them, but the organization also retained its strength and viability. And that was really a, a product of a tremendous amount of internal work that happened, uh, a lot of coordination and across the entire organization. Um, and so it was, a, it was a big endeavor. And that segue is really into our upcoming event. Neela, would you please share with our listeners just a little bit about the uh, upcoming major fundraiser, Golf for Good? Uh, our Golf for Good event, which is scheduled for May 17th at the Fresh Meadows Golf Club in Lake Success. We are, we're really excited. Number one, we're going to be uh, recognizing and acknowledging uh, my predecessor, the longtime president and CEO of the EAC Network, uh, Lance Elder. He had been here for many, many years. And so we are very excited to be able to uh, acknowledge his great work um, and all the contributions he made to the organization. On top of that, we have a couple of other honorees as well. Um, and so we are honoring also Bobby Shannon from Rebuild America and Doug Moyle from the law firm of Douglas Moyle. We're thrilled to be honoring these partners to uh, the EAC network uh, who have been friends and supporters of our work for a long time. And I would say that the most important thing to remember is that these events 
provide our organization with funds that we are then able to use to reinvest in programs and services and organizational infrastructure that are needed to keep us as strong as we are, in fact, um, so that we can continue to provide these services and not just provide these services, but also offer to our staff and our clients the additional supports that are needed in order to help them uh, to be successful moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, so the honorees for the event, uh, as I said, are Lance Elder, our former president and CEO, Bobby Shannon from Rebuild America, and Doug Moyle from the law firm of Douglas Moyle. As I said, it is on May 17th. We anticipate a great turnout. Uh, we would love to see more of our friends, partners, and supporters, and those people who are dedicated really to supporting uh, the work that EAC does, whether it is serving parents and young children, whether it is serving uh, people who are suffering from addiction and mental health issues, uh, and people who have been uh, victimized uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the AC Network provides incredible services to people, as I said earlier, across the spectrum, and we uh, certainly appreciate the support of our friends to help us to continue to, to do these services and to continue to grow and respond to the differing needs that people uh, are presenting with, especially as we move past COVID, uh, we know that the environment will change and we want to be poised and ready to be able to respond to the emerging needs. Okay, thank you. Rachel and Catherine, uh, how long has uh, the Golf for Good tournament been going on since I, you know, I read in your, uh, on your website that it's your major fundraiser? How long has that been uh, in effect? Well, I have been around for 25 years and as far back as I could remember, we were doing a large um, fundraising event, and I'm going to say I've been doing these events for over 10 years. So I'm going to say it's been a very long time that we've been doing the events, uh, the golf outings. And um, Catherine, what other special events does EAC like to bring to the public's attention, both for support and to also learn more about services that you provide? You know, COVID has limited us um, as of recent, but in years past, we were uh, providing a yearly Kohalan Cares for Kids event, which benefited the children's program that we have in the Kohalan Court System. We also had several events that benefited our Child Advocacy Center and um, our family and community program. Jessica, uh, I want to jump back to you for a minute. With Project Hope, the focus again, is, is on helping the families and, and the children. In your experience, how have the children been responding to the program itself? Not so much the, the stress and the trauma that the pandemic has brought on, but how have they been responding to the program? Well, what I've noticed, and it's very different now because it is mostly virtual. So one of the support groups that we do offer is more of a creative support group. So it could be anything from music to arts and crafts or something like writing or journaling or poems, things like that. So those are things that, you know, young teens, children, you know, can really get into and can really engage themselves in where they don't even necessarily realize they're doing something beneficial for their mental health and their well-being. Also now being in the community, we have people kind of just handing out flyers and they start talking to their parents. And the next thing you know, the kids are talking about their feelings and 
they don't even realize that they are, you know, venting or discussing the things that are bothering them. And it has been really beneficial for not only adults, but for children as well. Kath, if you had an opportunity to give a message to the listening audience about EAC and how you would want them to see the agency, the organization, to give them something that would spur them to reach out if needed, but even more so volunteer, donate, and help out. What would you say? I'll tell you what I tell my family and friends. Just call, (laughs) right? (laughs) Just call because it comes back to that message of sometimes we don't even know what we need, right? But Mm -hmm. it's like you're at a restaurant, you're looking at the menu and everything looks good. So you, you ask the waiter what they recommend. And so, you know, this this idea that, you know, it, there's something there for everyone at every level, you know, whether you need services or you want to volunteer or uh, provide donations, plug in, call, get on our website, look through and see our different programs. You could see our team. I love the way that, that our website even allows you to see our, our team's faces and, and connect in that way and be able to, to just pick up the phone and let them know what you're looking for and we will guide you from there. Okay. All right, Rachel, if you had to do a uh, two-minute elevator pitch to get somebody motivated to contribute to the organization, what would you say? Two minutes. You know, Silas, I've been working on this elevator speech for 20 years. (laughs) I'm still trying to get it right. And the reason I say that is because we are such a diverse social service agency And we always say we empower, we assist, we care for people in need, you know, across the Long Island and the city. And really, our objective is to reach individuals within the communities and provide them with programs and services to improve their lives. Okay. That's what I've come up with. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, and, and, and really, you know, it, it, it holds true for the last 25 years. I keep thinking I'm going to change it. I keep thinking, you know, we have to restructure it. But really, that's what we do. You know, we're just so diverse, and we have so many different programs and, you know, staff, and we adapt to cultural changes, and really, it's so innovative, and it's just, the staff are so creative, and they just, you know, they give 100%, and that's really what you want. And that's why I say, you know, people should, you know, support the agency, and they can volunteer, and they can donate, and there's careers, and there's jobs. I started as an intern, Silas. Wow. I started as an intern. Okay, okay. All right. Inter- I was an intern, and I, you know, I was like, I need a job that's going to hire me, and you know, and that's where I started, and it was over twenty five years ago. So it just shows that there's potential for growth and development, and there's just so many opportunities and several different division areas. If your your family services, we service children and youth. We have behavioral health and criminal justice services, and we have senior nutritional services. We have vocational services, and it's just a plethora of programs that really conform into all these different areas. And I would say that if, if there's an agency to support, it's definitely EAC because I've, I've dedicated my life to this agency the last 25 years. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Jessica, let's hear your uh, two-minute elevator speech. <laughs> well, I haven't had quite as much time to develop it. Um, but really, <laughs> I'm, new, I'm newer to the agency, so I haven't been here as long. But I can say in the shorter time that I've been here, what sets us apart for the rest is the staff, a hundred percent. I can say that everything that everyone does is driven by passion. It's driven by a love for helping people, for support, for believing in the mission of the agency and believing in what we do. And that makes all the difference. And I've seen it firsthand. I've seen how it impacts 
the individuals on the front line, even if it's just, you know, I one of the counselors I work with was grabbing a bagel during community outreach. She stopped to talk to three construction guys working on the street. Next thing you know, one of the guys is talking about his whole life story, and he probably never even knew he needed to talk about it. So wow. it's really just seeing the impact and the passion that this agency and this organization and, and Project Hope has on the community. Oh. That's really what makes the difference. Okay. All right. And uh, finally, Neela, your two-minute elevator pitch. <laughs> well, I may have had less time than everybody else, but <laughs> I can tell you that <laughs> the thing that really motivated me and inspired me to to want to come back to EAC is that I think that this is the kind of organization to what Rachel said, I think that it really focuses on how do we empower all communities? How do we empower all individuals, families, and communities to rise up, to be strong, to make good decisions, to have healthier and better lives? I think that the organization itself that is uniquely positioned. We work with people uh, from all aspects. We have community partners from all areas of service. And I think that it is because we are so diverse in the kinds of programs we have and the kinds of partners that we work with that we are able to see a really full picture of our communities, the people that we're working with, and have a plethora of resources really to offer that can help improve people's lives. Um, and so I, I'm really honored and thrilled to be part of this organization again and to lead us as we move into this next phase, this next era, this post-COVID environment. Uh, and I feel really just moved by the incredible work that's happening. And I'm learning every single day about different programs and different facets about the different programs that we offer that reinforce for me that people in our communities benefit immensely from the EAC network and the really vast array of services that we provide. And then one last thing I would like for all of you to do, uh, Mr. Elder, he spent a, a long time at the helm of the agency. He handed the baton off to you, um, Neela, because I, I was looking on your website and I saw the uh, Lance Elder legacy. Tell our listeners a little bit about you know why he was so special to the agency, because I understand he started um, as a board member. So let's tie everything up in a nice bow. Give a little light to the Lance Elder legacy before we have our closing comments. I'll start with you, Rachel, since you got the longest tenure. Lance has been with the agency uh, for over 22 years, and he has been through every step of the way. Uh, watching our programs grow. Some of the highlights was certainly the uh, Mary and Pat um, Bagnato CAC Center in Central Islip, which stands for the Suffolk County Child Advocacy Center. And I think I'm going to say since 2010, uh, that center had reduced um, the trauma of sexual abuse, physical abuse, and neglect. And he was really instrumental in building up that center. And he brought in a lot of extensive uh, partners and supporters to the agency. And he kind of extended himself uh, through his network of community partners, you know, that he came from the NASA. Everyone knows Lance came from the NASA Coliseum. Uh, he brought some of those contacts over, partners over, supporters over. And through his career, he really has helped us, you know, make a lot of friendships within the community. 
and has helped us develop our mission. And sometimes, you know, we have these meetings where we change our mission statement and we, we, or we need to kind of look and see where's the agency going. And he was very instrumental in, in setting that in motion. And from this point on, really, Neela is going to be <laughs> the one now who's going to um, be the driving force and, and continue on and identifying, you know, what, what this agency needs. And that's, that's really what's super important. Okay. And Neela, Rachel segued back because he handed you the baton. Now, you, you left and you came back. You had a lot of experience out in the not-for-profit world and, and being a leader. Now, coming back and taking the baton from uh, Lance, what trade secrets, you know, did he share with you to keep the, the momentum going that um, the rest of the agency had, uh, had already fostered? Sure. So, I think that I would start by saying that, you know, I've, I've known Lance for a very long time, and even after I had left the AC and I would... We would see each other at events and conferences and meetings. Lance was always a tremendous champion for the work and the mission of the organization. And so I know that that is an enormous responsibility to be the face of the organization and to ensure that all of our community partners, uh, all of our clients feel a sense of trust and respect for the great work that's happening here, to be able to talk about that, to be able to share those stories. I also would like to make sure that, you know, as you've heard, the staff here are incredibly dedicated. They've been here a long time. They have tremendous passion for the work that they are doing, for the mission that they are carrying out. I am really invested in making sure that our staff feel cared for and uh, acknowledged for their work and that their creativity has continues to have opportunities to shine. So really trying to, you know, bring what we do to the public, but also bringing that internally to our teams here. So really trying to identify great ideas and rising stars and really help to build strong leadership within the organization. Um, because at the end of the day, that's going to help us to be uh, better and stronger in the community, to serve people in a more effective and meaningful way. So I'm excited for all of the things that are ahead. I'm so grateful that I'm coming into an environment that is strong, that is connected, and I hope that I can bring more good things as we continue to move into the future. Uh, Jessica, I know you've maybe not had as much time with the agency as as, uh, Catherine and Rachel, but in your opinion, what do you see as part of the uh, Lance Elder legacy, however brief that might be? One of the things, and you know, not to sound too repetitive, that I've noticed is to keep a good staff, there has to be good leadership. And coming into something like this, like this organization, there's obviously been amazing leadership. And that starts with Lance because just all the way down, all the way up, everyone has been absolutely fantastic and supportive. And it's just been a great place to not only work, but to thrive. And that's the legacy that I see being a newer to the organization. And Catherine, what do you see as part of the uh, Lance Elder legacy? Yeah, I had the, the privilege of working under Lance for about 15 years. And um, I find myself quoting him from time to time <laughs> in the, the sense that he would he would often say that he would be cautiously optimistic. And I think about that that phrase, and it really is at the heart of the agency in the sense that there there's hope. We always have hope about moving forward and being able to continue services and meet 
the needs of, of those that we're, we're serving. And he always did that with a calm confidence, right? Re- regardless of, of funding and situations and, and the, the hecticness of it all, um, there was that calm confidence that you knew that the work was going to get done. Um, you knew that, that um, the needs would be met. And so I hope that we can continue that legacy, and I know that we, we will under Neil's leadership. Well, one thing I can say as we get ready to wrap up is uh, all four of you certainly have exhibited and expressed the passion that you have for the agency and for the work that's being done. Certainly, you know, that comes through in, in the way that you speak about, you know, the programs and the fundraisers raisers, and, you know, the history of the agency and the organization. And so I think it's really great that you have this sense of dedication and commitment, especially now in these really uncertain times, because that's really, really what is going to make the difference to help society in general uh, move forward in a more cohesive manner. So one thing I like to do in wrapping up a show is just ask everybody to leave our listeners with something that you would like them to be able to take away um, as a closing thought. I'll start with you, Neela, and then I'll go to Rachel and then Catherine and then Jessica. Something really profound that you would like the listeners to take away at the end of this. I would just like to say we recognize very much that times have been very challenging. We want people to know that there are services, there are people who are dedicated to helping people, other people, get through these hard times. Uh, And so we want people to reach out to the EAC network with your needs, with your questions. And I have no doubt that we have programs, services, or referrals that can respond to any kinds of needs that people are presenting. And we hope that people are struggling emotionally with uh, the impact of COVID. We'll certainly reach out to Project HOPE uh, and access the support and services that we are really, uh, really honored to be able to offer. Rachel, closing thought, please. My closing thought is a general statement. Majority of us are on social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, you name it. And my saying is Yana, Y-A-N-A, you are never alone. And when a friend is feeling blue or they're feeling down, just type Yana, you're never alone. Make them feel special, support them, be there for them, check in, wellness checks. It's very important. If if anyone is, is feeling that they need to talk to someone um, I encourage them to visit our website, which is www.eac-network.org. That's www.eac-network.org. And you could read about us. You could look at all the programs we have to offer. You could find if, if, you're, if you need some type of support, whether it be child support, whether it be something with your children, um, look at what we have See if there's something that we could help you with. If not, give us a call. And if we can't help you, we'll find someone that can help you. Even if it's not a program under under our agency, something that we don't do, which is, there's not many things that we don't do. But certainly if there is some type of supportive service that you need that we don't handle, we will help you. And you are never alone, and don't ever forget that. Catherine, closing thought, please. Yeah, and to, to echo that, we are here for you. And you don't need to even know what it is that you need, right? In these uncertain times, we can help bring some clarity and some focus and some perspective um, through our through our supportive services. And so 
just reach out and we'll point in the right direction. Jessica, closing thought, please. Kind of along the the same lines, just reach out. There's nothing too big or too small. Um, There's no service that we can't connect you to if we ourselves don't provide it. We are here and you could reach us through our helpline number with Project Hope or through social media as well. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, like Rachel was mentioning. Reach out on any of those platforms, and we're here to support you. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. With me, Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate as host, uh, we've had a wonderful discussion for wonderfully dedicated and committed and passionate young ladies from the EAC Network. Their motto is to empower, assist, and care. I want to thank all of our guests, new president and CEO, Ms. Neela Mukherjee Lockle, Rachel Lugo, Division Director of the Family Support and Vocational Services, Catherine Canino, Program Director for Project Hope and the Long Island Parenting Institute, and Jessica Bayan, Team Leader for Project Hope. I want to thank all of you ladies for coming on the show, enlightening our listeners. Remember to stay tuned. Golf for Good is coming up, and you can always reach out at Project Hope and also the Long Island Parenting Institute. Make sure to reach out because this is an organization and agency that's primed and ready to help wherever it's needed. So, ladies, thank you all for joining the Kelso on the Air Social Work Podcast. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Have a wonderful day. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate and host of the show. You've been listening to the Kelso on the Air Social Work Podcast. This and all other programs are available on the Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor podcast platforms. Go to any search engine and type in Kelson on the Air in the search window to hear this show in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Kelson Communications production.